John B. McClendon pioneered it, Rick Pitino mastered it, and Bob Huggins made it an identity. I'm Justice Rohde, and love it or hate it, this is the Full Court Press. So grateful of you to join me yet again on a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday evening. Let's lead in and and talk about some of these transfer portal updates that we've had. So first of all, the blockbuster move of the portal. Hunter Dickinson, Michigan starting center from last year, and still has two years of eligibility remaining. Highly touted guy, was the source of offense. Everybody thought he was untouchable in Michigan. And then he says to Coach Jawan Howard, I want out. I want to go be a superstar, and I want a chance to contend for a national title before I go on to the pro game. He was highly sought after by many, many schools. Uh, the, the initial names popping up were Georgetown, Maryland was getting thrown in there, obviously North Carolina was getting a ton of heat, and Kansas. So I was thinking to myself, as I'm, as I'm looking at all this, this transfer news going around, I'm like, okay, Maryland kid, he went to DeMatha, big-time basketball program. It seemed like a match made in heaven for him to go to Maryland. Or what about Georgetown? You know, they bring in Ed Cooley, revamping program, trying to retool. You bring in a blue-chip guy like Hunter Dickinson. That makes sense. North Carolina, yeah, you, you kind of had a disappointing season. You know, you missed out on the NCAA tournament. Hubert Davis, blue-chip talent recruiter. This seems like yet another perfect fit. And then there was Kansas. And I'm looking at it, and I say, you know, he's not Bill Self's traditional Kansas big. Yes, he does a lot of the same back-to-the-basket stuff that guys like David McCormick and Udo Gazabuki have done in previous years. But I look at Hunter Dickinson and I say he adds that playmaking element. You know, he's got a little bit of a mid-range jumper. He's kind of that point forward in some instances. He can operate off the short roll in the high post. Does a lot of good things for Michigan offensively and was, you know, really active as a screener. Moving off ball, he's able to space out a little bit to that 18-foot range. He goes and commits to Kansas. It makes sense. It makes sense for Bill Self because now it's kind of like going to the store and you pick up that brand new shiny toy. A re-released item. It's like I used to go to the Walmart in my hometown. And I was a humongous pro wrestling fan growing up. That was based on partial influence from my dad. My dad was a humongous Bill Goldberg fan back when the WCW days were around. My dad and my older brother were big-time WCW people. Love the fact. Love the whole NWO. Oh, it's too sweet, baby. Big into the whole Hulk Hogan heel turn. Loved Macho Man Randy Savage, the Lex Luger. They loved the war games. That was their big time thing. The war games. Starcade. Halloween Havoc. Blast at the Beach. You name it. They were all over it. It was like going to the store. 
and you look at those sh- new shiny WWE action figures. Because I was a big action figure kid. I have a really, really active imagination. I, You know, sometimes I'll just sit in my room, bottle of water, and I'll just sit and I'll let scenarios run in my mind. Just imagine I'm in a different place sometimes. Helps you to escape. And I would look at those action figures and I would say, yeah. Yeah, that's a nice new toy. Ooh, that one's different. Oh, this one comes with a sword. This one's got a bunch of new different features. That is what Bill Self is seeing when he looks at Hunter Dickinson. When he's trying to fit in for how this Kansas lineup and how this Kansas team is going to play next year, He's looking at Hunter Dickinson saying, oh, that's new. That's fun. I like that. I want that. That's what Hunter Dickinson provides to Kansas. Big time move out of the portal from Kansas. Another guy I, I kind of want to talk about. Um, I really got to touch on the Max A. Smith transfer. So Max A. Smith was really down to two schools from the beginning. It was Kansas State or it was going to be Texas. Max A. Smith, if you guys would remember, was one of these dudes who lit up March Madness a couple years ago, single-handedly took Oral Roberts to a Sweet 16. He is a one-man offense. How he fits in at Texas, I do not know. Because I'm assuming Tyrese Hunter's going to the program. Okay, that makes sense. Marcus Carr... Finally, your eligibility. Okay, this makes sense. Texas is going to be lacking a little bit in guard play. Arterio Morris is at Kansas now. So Max Asmus, what better what better move for him to make than to move into the Big 12? You go down to state. Go down to an inferior state, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not the biggest Texas fan in the world, but that's because of where I'm from, where Max Asmus was at previously. I was looking at this, and I saw that his former head coach, Paul Mills, had taken the job at Wichita State, right? So I was thinking, oh, yeah, move into the American Athletic. Okay, get out of the Summit League. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, try to revitalize a Wichita State program that, remember, when they had Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet, they were some nasty boys now. I mean, they were dudes that were, you know, you looked at them. They were one seed at one point. Wichita State was. And I thought, yeah, Max Asmus, he could be that, you know, that prototype guard for them. Because they had had uh, Tyson Etienne a year ago. They had had Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet in the past. You know, they got some dudes. They had Landry Shamit just a couple years ago. Dude was shooting the lights out of the ball. So I was thinking Max Asmus was going there. But then, you know, I heard Kansas State. Yes, that makes sense. Jerome Tang, Marquise Noel is going to the NBA. That makes sense to me. That makes a ton of sense to me. Then Texas circulated, and I was like, okay, A.J. Johnson, uh, a big-time commit in the 2023 class. He decommits, decides to go to the NBL, to the Illawarra Hawks. And he just slots right in. He's from Dallas. You know, he's a Texas kid. This is probably a big-time move for him. And I could see this having really positive ramifications for the University of Texas at Austin. This is a really, really intriguing move. And for Max Asmus' sake, I'm a big Max Asmus fan. You know, there's, there's stuff there. 
big fan of him. Big fan of where he went. Excited to see what happens in the future with him. Okay. Let's move on to a different side of things. Let's talk a little bit about the recruiting side with Oklahoma State. For those of you who don't know, I live, my current residence is 45 minutes away from Oklahoma State. I live fairly close to there. I have a lot of friends that go to Oklahoma State University. They are very big on this recruiting class. They, they really like what it can bring. Now I'm looking at on three. They rank it a little bit different because they also add in the transfers as a grade. They bring in a center from Jacksonville, Mike Marsh. Javon Small, the transfer from East Carolina. Then they got a couple of in-state guys. They bring in Brandon Garrison, who is, you know, McDonald's All-American. Best player in the state of Oklahoma by far. Towering 6'9 presence, lanky dude, really athletic. Justin McBride from Plano. 6'7", 210, explosive forward. Dude, he flies to the rim. Explosive, explosive athlete. Jamiron Keller from Ellison in Killeen, Texas. 6'1 combo guard, 190. Smooth operator, man. He's a smooth, smooth operator. Connor Dow, the broken arrow kid, 6'6, 180. Saw plenty of him. Ooh, I went to a few camps. I've seen plenty of him. Shoots the cover off the ball. Just, it, it just looks so smooth coming off of his hand. And then there's one name that kind of catches my eye, and it's Eric Daly. The 6'7", 215 post-grad commit from IMG Academy. He was a dude I remember looking at a couple, uh, like a year ago, and I was saying, this dude just screams major blue chip guy. And then he kind of goes to Oklahoma State. He is the second highest ranked of the four. The five. The five, really. Because Connor Dow is kind of a tweener. Not really ranked on any national site. But trust me, he is worth the grade that he gets. He is worth the scholarship. Daly's interesting because he can play that point forward role. He provides a new element that I don't really think Oklahoma State has. Because while Cade Cunningham was the similar size, the similar build, Cade Cunningham is a true point guard down to his core. Eric Daly's more of a point forward. He kind of wants to operate off the ball at points. So I really like what Oklahoma State has here. For Mike Boynton, this is a big, big, big time recruiting class. He had a ton of scholarships left to give. He went in and gave them out. Bunch of dudes transfer out of the program. Losing Musa Cisse was a huge blow. But you go in and you rebuild in the portal. You get a couple of guys, some young guys. And you, you, Oklahoma State's willing to give chances to the youth because they're not, not quite established yet in that Big 12, still trying to find their pecking order. Next year might be a breakthrough year for those Cowboys. Really excited to see what they have. Okay, Louisville. Their class is interesting because Trenton Flowers – was a 2024 dude. He reclasses. He's a five-star in this class as well. He was like the number five player in last year's in the 2024 class. He reclasses up, and he's going to Louisville in the fall. 6'8", 180. 
I've seen him. He is a smooth, smooth, smooth off-ball scorer. I haven't seen a dude like him in a while. He's smooth. Curtis Williams, Caleb Glenn, they're kind of the same player. Curtis Williams offers you a little bit more beef. Caleb Glenn, a little bit better shooter. They kind of get the same player there. And then Dennis Edmonds, he was the Minnesota commit, a consensus five-star on pretty much every platform. He was the Minnesota commit. Drew Johnson could not keep a hold of him. Or Drew Stevens, excuse me. Um, 7-1, 2-10 center out of Hillcrest. The Duke can jump out of the gym. He's a rim protector. He will be interesting for Kenny Payne's team. Then they go in the portal. They grab Sky Clark, huge time grab. They grab Danilo Jovanovic, and they grab Trey White, the small forward from USC. They've got some interesting pieces. Trenton Flowers is the make or break for me. He's young, like really young. He's going to come into college. I think he's going to be the youngest student in college basketball. If he slots in and gets major playing time right away because this Louisville team's just not that talented... We could be talking freshman of the year. He's got the tools. I need to see a little bit more ball production. I need to see him work on the ball a little bit more. I like what I see, though. I like what I see out of Mr. Trenton Flowers. Okay, speaking of USC and the whole Trey Wright situation, the biggest name in the 2023 class committed a couple days ago. LeBron James Jr., better known to all as Bronny James, takes his talents to the University of Southern California to team up with Isaiah Collier and Andy Enfield's offensive talents. I don't get the fit. You see what I'm saying? Isaiah Collier is a ball-dominant 6-1 point guard. Ball-dominant. He ran the show at Wheeler. McDonald's All-American. Ran the shows. Been the consensus number one until Ron Holland took over a couple days ago. He's just a dude. I've seen Bronny operate as an off-ball scorer. The size is a question for me. He's 6'3", 180. I don't question the athleticism. He can jump out of the gym. One of the best athletes pound for pound the class. I don't question his defensive motor. He's willing to work. He's shown that he's willing to come off the bench and work. I don't question the off-ball shooting. There are times where he has hitches and hiccups where he will go cold, but that's any, that's any hooper. My number one question with him, I need to see him create a little bit more on the ball, and I'm concerned that with Isaiah Collier, he's not going to get the opportunity to do it. Now, Bronny's a good kid. Might have the, just hands down, might just have the best basketball IQ in the class. The issue is will he run that second unit? If he runs the second unit and we get to see a little bit of the off-ball, you know, the off-ball creativity, get some more of that on-ball scoring because he's a great pick-and-roll operator. Do we get to see 
him run that second unit, and when he does, what does it look like? Does he look like an A1 point guard? Because if I'm going to be honest, I think Bronny would have been better off going to Ohio State, getting two years there as the one guy at the point guard position, getting used to a more physical game, even though he's seen some top-level talent at Sierra Canyon, getting used to a more physical game, getting used to playing the upperclassmen, and then entering his name into the draft. My concern with USC, they're going to be a talented roster. I have them as a sleeper team for next year to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. I have my questions with Bronny James. Not as the prospect. I have concerns as will he be able to showcase Bronny James at USC. Because there is no doubt about the brand and the mystique that Bronny James provides to you. Highest valued NIL athlete in the history of the NIL era. I think the number was $5.7 million. There is no doubt about the branding. There is no doubt about the pedigree with him being LeBron James' son. I don't really have a question about the talent. I know that he can play at the next level. My real, real, real issue is, will he be able to showcase who Bronny James is? Because I think the future for Bronny is, if we're, if we're going to be realistic, let's strip the name away for a little bit. If I'm evaluating Bronny James the player, I think he's a two-year guy, goes to the NBA as a sophomore, as a mid-level to uh, upper-level lottery pick. I like what he provides as a floor general. Like what he provides a lot. There are some questions with the consistency on the jump shot. There's some questions he was with the offensive creation. I have zero concerns about his defensive effort and his defensive prowess. He's already shown that. I have zero. I have zero questions about his athleticism. I have zero questions about his durability. I have zero questions about his pure passing. Now, some of his playmaking and the nuances of setting guys up, there is some concern there, and I think that's why he needs to go to a school and get A1 reps is to iron some of that stuff out and see real live action and allow him to be a number one offensive hub. USC's not the worst decision in the world. I think he could have done better, but I'm going to trust Bronny James because Bronny James has taken a long time for this. If he believes in his heart of hearts that USC is the best destination for Bronny James development, then who am I to question Bronny James? So that's just my little take on that. That's just my, my, my little bitty, bitty, bitty take on that. Okay. I got some sneaky good teams for next year. You guys, tell me what you think of these. My first one's USC. Now, this is entirely talent-based. This is a talent-based grade for me. For me, I look at... USC as a whole. They're bringing the number four class in the nation. Isaiah Collier... Ronnie James, DJ Rodman transfers in from Washington State. That's a big time get. Arrington Page from Wheeler. He's Isaiah Collier's teammate. I like what USC has. I like what they can bring. Now, obviously, you have to fend off UCLA, 
you're gonna have to fend off Arizona. And there's another sleeper team on here from the same conference that I think that they're gonna have to worry about fending off. Arizona State's probably another one they're gonna have to fend off. They're just going to have to fend off some teams, but I like this to be a Sweet 16 team next year. Assuming the blueprint is Isaiah Collier runs the one squad with Arnton Page and DJ Rodman and with who who, who all they have bringing back because Bo- Boogie Ellis is returning. I like Bronny to run that second unit with some of those bench guys they have. I like what, they sh- I, like what I saw out of their bench last year. I like USC, man. I like USC a lot. Miami. Miami is my ACC sleeper team. And I know what you're saying. Justice, they made a Final Four. Well, I get they made a Final Four. Here's my thing with Miami, though. Jim Laranaga's top 15 head coach in the game, if we're making a conservative estimate, they're bringing in Michael and Woko, uh, the prolific prep center. They're bringing in uh, Kaishan George. And then the big transfer, the home run hitter for them is going to be Matthew Cleveland. Because I believe they still have Nigel Pack for another year. Matthew Cleveland's there. I like what I see. Matthew Cleveland now, that was an abysmal Florida State team last year. Oh, buddy, were they bad last year. But Matthew Cleveland as a pure prospect, he was the number 15 guy coming out of high school. Like, there was a reason Matthew Cleveland was as highly touted as he was. Now, I thought Leonard Hamilton would be able to tap a little bit more out of their roster, and I think that's just because Florida State just really couldn't put it all together this year. Matthew Cleveland still got A1 upside. He's another one of these dudes where... He shows the shot making. He's got the defensive ability. He was just playing on a bad roster, and I think with a Miami team that's going to allow him to thrive, they're going to be able to go far, especially with them keeping basically everybody that they had last year. Really excited for what Miami has. All right. Water break. Needed a water break for that one. Okay. Iowa State. 13th rate recruiting class, TJ Otzelberger is doing a phenomenal job building that one up. So they bring in, this is a load of names here. They're bringing in, I'm counting, seven scholarship players. Omaha Blue, 2K legend, consensus five-star, incredible prospect, physical menace around the rim. Great dunker, shot making is a question with him. Milan Momsilovich from Pewaukee. I have a buddy who goes to Pewaukee, or who went to Pewaukee. He goes here now. Six foot eight, 205, shot maker, shot maker, shot maker. Question with him is defensive motor. Jelani Hamilton, 6'6", 200 out of Wheeler, Georgia. The ball production's an issue. He didn't get the ball a lot at Wheeler because Isaiah Collier was running the show there. There's a lot to like there. I need to see ball production. I need to see a little bit of playmaking upside out of him. Shot creation's not a – it's a somewhat concern, but he didn't get the ball enough to really showcase his offensive creation, so it's a concern until he showcases it and shows the ball production. And then they bring in Caden Fish from Staley, 
another just athletic dude, 6'6", 205. He's got a great physical body type, kind of TJ Altsberger wing that he likes. They bring in Kashawn Gilbert from UNLV, Jackson Pavletsky from Woford. He was their A1 guy last year. And then Curtis Jones from Buffalo. So Otzelberger went in, upgraded the guard play veteran style, then went in and grabbed the wings young, which is exactly what you want to do as a rebuilding program like Iowa State is. Rebuilding to the heights that Iowa State, I know they can be. But they've got that blueprint mapped out. I really like them to make a nice deep push next year and get kind of past the Caleb Grill stuff. Okay, Colorado. They're the other sleeper team I had in the Pac-12. This is purely based on the fact that they bring back Tristan De Silva and they bring in Cody Perry. Cody Cody Williams from Perry. Cody Williams is the younger brother of Jalen Williams, Oklahoma City Thunder rookie. Been on an absolute tear for them this year. And that's a good Perry team because that features five-star Koa Pete. That's a good Perry team. Colorado was an up-and-down team last year. They were really, really up and down. This entire premise is banking on them being a tournament team just because of Tristan De Silva, and I believe that Cody Williams legitimately has freshman of the year upside. That is all that I'm basing this on. I'm going on a whim here because I like what Colorado has, but my entire premise is based on those two guys because I believe those two guys are good enough to get it done. And then Michigan State, you're probably looking at me saying, Justice, are you kidding me? A team that went to the Elite Eight, a team that's projected to go to the Final Four, is a sleeper team, huh? They're a sleeper in the sense that I think that they can win a national championship. (sighs) Stew on that for a little bit. They legitimately have the talent to win an Addy. That's just cut and dry. They just have the talent to win an Addy. They bring back everybody. I mean, they bring back Tyson Walker. They're bringing back A.J. Hogard. Bringing back Malik Hall. They bring in a top five freshman class. Zero transfers in, though, is a concern. Tom Izzo's got his guys, and that's a team that I saw firsthand when they came to Nebraska. Jaden Akins is a freaking problem for them. He's a problem. I thought he should have gotten more playing time this year. It's hard with him running the point guard duties and and Tyson Walker running the point guard duties. Dude, he single-handedly won that game for them. That was a crazy game where they shot 85% from three and literally just ran Nebraska out of the gym. That was a really, really funny game to watch because Steven Izzo ended up on the court, and you know, you know. I got to support Steven Izzo. Any any short white guy on a college floor got to support. It's just got it's just got to happen. It's just really funny cuz he's Izzo's kid. I think they're a national championship talk team. Now, the number one's going to be North Carolina and Kansas. That's just going to be the A1 teams next year. Along with UConn bringing literally everybody and their mother back. I still roll with Michigan State. I still got to roll with him. Okay. Player you forgot about. He's my favorite Thunder player of all time. I love him to death. He's playing with the G League team right now. It's Andre Roberson. He's still with the Oklahoma City Blue. Had little concerns. Obviously, he went to the Nets for a little bit. 
you know, after the whole Thunder fiasco, he dealt with a lot of injuries. He's finally back. He's playing with the blue. He's my favorite of all time because of what he provided to the Thunder during those Westbrook years where he literally had to throw the team on his back and carry them to the playoffs. This was pre-Mello and Paul George years, by the way. This is the year after we traded Sabonis and Oladipo. And it was just Russell Westbrook, Andre Roberson, Steven Adams, and a bunch of young guys. And Roberson, from a defensive perspective, was amazing. Great. Love him to death. I love Roberson to death. Just everything that he did. He's a great, great team guy. Him and Phil Collison, to me, are like the Thunder legends. Those are the dudes that I think about. Two-way impact athlete of the day, Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton, for those of you who don't know, was almost a professional basketball player. Well, he is a professional basketball player. Was also also almost a professional baseball player. Pitched in the Cape Cod League for a little bit. Was a starting pitcher at Notre Dame. Pitched to the tune of a 3-3-8 ERA. 6-5-2-15. Imagine that. Okay, so imagine you're a college athlete, right? You get done. You're off the plane, right? You had a nice long meal, right? You're a Clemson hitter, right? You just got done eating at that great dining hall that they have on campus. It's like a million miles high. You go to the baseball field. It's a home stretch, right? You walk in. You see the name of the lineup card. It's Pat Connaughton is the pitcher. And he's walking in there throwing 98 with a wipeout slider in the curve. And then you find out, oh, this guy's going to the NBA, by the way. He's going to be a key contributor and an NBA champion with the Bucks. That's a rough life for a college kid. That's just a rough one for a college kid. you got to feel for them. Pat Connaughton is the two-way impact player of the day. Just because of what he provided on the baseball diamond, he was a flamethrower. He throws way harder than I ever could. He was a stud. Averaged 8.9 points per game for the basketball team and had a 1.71 ERA in his sophomore year. 3-3-8 career. Freshman year wasn't that great for him. But yeah, he's a two-way, two-way impact player of the, the day. All right, that'll do it for the Full Court Press. You know where to get at me, at JJ underscore Rody on both Instagram and Snapchat. That's pretty much all I have for today. Just remember, John B. McClendon pioneered it. Rick Pitino mastered it, and Bob Huggins made an identity. We'll see you next time.